Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to be joined today by dad, lawyer, author, Justin Early. He is the author of Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms, as well as The Common Rule. <laughs> okay, so can you tell us a little bit, the, the book that I really kind of that put you on my radar was the habits of the household, practicing the story of God in everyday family rhythms. What is this book about? This book is about seeing the extraordinary spiritual work that God is doing in your ordinary family rhythms. That might be the shortest way to put it. Love it. <laughs> okay. So what is a family rhythm in the first place? Like, what does that even mean? That's a great question. I, I talk about in the common rule you know, habits of the more, you know, work, day, technology habits, personal, spiritual disciplines. I talk about habits of the household in the second book, habits of the household. And really my working definition for a habit in both books are the things that we do semi-consciously to unconsciously. They're the things, the little things that we do on autopilot that actually, as it turns out, make up huge, huge parts of who we are and who our family is. And the reason that I, I say that is that habits actually have a way of functioning like liturgies. And I think that's an, and I use the you know big fancy spiritual word like liturgy. Not everybody's familiar with that word, but I use it on purpose to make a point. And that is that what's going on in our regular on every going in our regular ongoing everyday habits is that we are being formed into certain kinds of people. And they are like liturgies and that liturgies are the things that we do over and over, usually in worship services or in quiet times or something like that. We, we do things over and over, semi-consciously to unconsciously, because we want to be formed in the image of the God that we worship. And I say habits and liturgies are really the same thing, except that liturgies own up to being acts of worship. And that's the key thing that I want people to see about habits, that, you know, what habits are worship. They are forming us. The only question is in the image of what? And so I really, I want people to look at their patterns of their ongoing day, whether it's technology habits or work habits, habits of rush or busyness or consumerism, whatever it is, and their family habits around family dinner, around bedtimes, around waking, around moments of discipline, and, and realize that the most important and crucial parts of spiritual formation that are happening in your day and week are probably happening there. And not necessarily in your Sunday service, not necessarily in your quiet time that you had, not even necessarily in that major important conversation you thought you had with your kid when they were zoned out thinking about something else. It's the regular ongoing everyday stuff that forms us into certain kinds of people. And that's where I want to see people pay attention to the Lord's work in their life. Mm -hmm. I think that's it's so convicting to hear you say that just because I feel like for me and for many of the moms that I talk to and work with. Uh, especially in the foster care world, it feels like we're on either autopilot or 
just like rushing through the day, trying to get through because it feels like there's so many different things um, that people need from us. Mm -hmm. So what do you like, how can we kind of push back against that a little bit and slow down and find what rhythms are good for our family and what our family needs from us without feeling like it's another thing to add to our list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to break that into two parts. One, like what, how do we push back against the default rhythms and habits that we have? And two, how do we embrace better ones? They're related. The reason that I came to this topic in the first place, and I tell this story in my first book, The Common Rule, is that I actually, early in my career as a lawyer, had a complete mental breakdown for, at the time, I had no idea why. So I used to be a missionary in China. And I felt the Lord calling me to to come live missionally within the area of corporate law. I ran at law school with all the fervor of a man on a call. I'm in my first year of lawyering. I've got two young children. My dream job, I did well in law school. I thought everything was going great. My spiritual life, at least in my head, was like, I'm a man on a call. But what I did not realize is that I had completely assimilated all the usual habits and practices of a law school student and a top young attorney, which is incessant busyness. Mm-hmm incessant technology, incessant work. You never say no. You're always sleeping less. And I didn't think any of that mattered because I had no idea how much the smallest patterns of our days and weeks actually affect our souls in the most extraordinary ways for better or for worse. And it drove me into what I now realize was a mental collapse, anxiety attacks, insomnia, all all this terrible stuff. And it took me a long time, Kathleen. This is not a short thing to figure out what happened. But what I say now with the clarity of hindsight is that you know, the missionary became converted to the nervous medicating lawyer through habit because habits really do change who we are. And when our head goes this way, but our habits go the other way, our heart will always follow the habit. And so one of the things that I tell people is you have to open your eyes to the water of habit that you swim in or something eventually will open your eyes for you. And and usually that's a a crash like, like I had. So part of what I want to help people do is, is think about how, how to slow down, scale back and say, what kind of habits could you put in place like scripture before phone or a, a weekly Sabbath, uh, a communal meal every day with your family? What kind of habits could you put in place that sound like more to do, but are actually ways of limiting your chaos and pulling you back from trying to be an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent person who thinks they could do it all? Because that's not who you are. You're mm-hmm. a limited child of God and God loves you, but he, he is the one who is omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent. You, despite having a smartphone, you cannot be those things. Like you still cannot do all those things. So on the one hand, you got to realize that your default is probably overwhelming. And number two, and this is where I think is more encouragement, like not criticism, you know, embracing new family patterns, new personal patterns of technology habits, all this stuff it's a light burden. It's it's true. You got to think of it as this is entering under the easy yoke of Christ and saying it is better to live it as a person who is letting Jesus disciple his or her ordinary daily habits. It is better to live as a family who is letting Jesus disciple their ordinary habits of the household than it is to live as a person who is letting American culture disciple your personal and your family habits. Those are overwhelming, exhausting, difficult habits. Yes, it's hard to change them, but you're coming into an area of freedom and the easy yoke and the light burden. And I would just encourage everybody, think of it that way. There there might be more to do as you think about, okay, what are the habits of my household? 
but it's a freeing journey and it, it will be better and more freeing than your default cultural American life of doing nothing and not even yeah. realizing those habits. I love that so much. I think that is so true. So much of, uh, of my, at least my Christian walk has been, you know, that counterintuitive, like it doesn't feel like this makes sense, but with God, it does make sense that this yes, is, you know, yes. that we're doing, you know, something different or adding something else into our routine, but he's lightening our burden. He is yes. supernaturally giving us more freedom and more peace as we mm-hmm. close, more closely walk with him and align with what he wants for us. So that's a great reminder. Um, what are some of the habits that you have felt like have really been most like really critical to your family's functioning as you have come back from this burnout and you're like, okay, some, something big's got to shift here. Um, what were some of the things that kind of helped you write the ship a little bit? Yeah, I'll give you a couple and then you can tell me if you want to dive into any of them. I have personally been really changed by some of the daily and weekly habits I write out about in the common rule. Scripture before phone is a huge one. It's a small mechanism of giving my phone out of my morning and getting scripture into my morning. And I could talk for hours literally about how that changes my life with my family, about how that changes my work and my sense of identity attached to my work. It's how that changes the concerns that I have online and the way that social media is, is or isn't in my life. So scripture before phone has just been enormous as a daily habit. There's a really wonderful weekly habit that I write about in the common rule that's precious to me actually of having a vulnerable hour of conversation with friends every week Mm. in order to put like for a busy foster parent or a busy corporate lawyer and dad of four boys and writer like me to have a block in your schedule that says I am a person that clings to friendship vulnerable friendship because I need friends to be the kind of disciple husband father worker that I want to be so many of us grow alone because we're so busy on the call that we think is so important. And it is, but you can't do that call without friends. So that weekly habit of vulnerable conversation with friends is enormous for me. In the household, some of the really precious rhythms to us are a a bedtime liturgy, small way of just praying with our children every night, a family dinner every night that, and you know, with the reality of family life, and, and you should know this about all habits, they're rhythms, not rules, you know, we say we do family dinner every night. Really, that means probably four or five nights a week. But that's a lot. That's way better than not doing family dinner at all, you know. And scripture before phone is great. But if you get knocked off one morning, you know, you're not breaking a rule. You're just you come back to your habit. So family dinners are in- incredible for for us. Another big one for the whole family and for me is a, is a weekly Sabbath, a, a day every week that just looks different from all the other days. And so, Kathleen, I could I could, could go on and like tell you about all the habits I write about. But those are some of the real real wonderful ones. And if you, if you want to dive into any of those, I'd yes. be, be happy to. I'm actually really curious about the Sabbath. This is a, an idea that I can't remember the name of the book, but back when I was in college, there was this book about Sabbath. It might even just been called that. And people were all like, mm-hmm. ah, such a great book. We need to do this. And obviously, hello, God wrote about it first, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I mean, I think in 2022 and, and as busy parents, it's very difficult at least for me to be like, yeah, this is a Sabbath or even to know like, what is a Sabbath? What is it truly nowadays? And what should yeah. it look like? So what do you guys do? Yeah, I, I love that people want to talk about this now because I always, I always <laughs> joke like, you know, scripture before phone might sound pithy, but I say Sabbath and people are like, yeah, you didn't come up with that one. You weren't <laughs> the first to write about that. <laughs> you know? But it's interesting, you know, growing up, 
and I think coming of age as a Christian in high school and college and really like diving into my faith, my questions about Sabbath were always sort of the on the legalistic side of like, do we really have to like not do X or Y? Like what's allowed, what's not allowed? And is it really important? I just think it's funny. 15, 20 years ago, that's mostly what I heard people saying, like, like, do you really have to do that? Or, or why now I get nobody who says, really, do we need it? I get everybody who says, how? Mm-hmm. Because they want, they, they hear the idea of rest as a rhythm. And they're like, oh my gosh, I want that. But I don't know how. And I think that um, on the one hand, it's incredibly encouraging as you think like, God put Sabbath in the Ten Commandments because he knew that it it was a gift to us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why Jesus says, you know, man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. As in, you know, we we are not like subservient to the Sabbath. Like we have to follow this rhythm. Otherwise, we're just not behaving. No, it's like God gave us a rhythm. He made this for us because he knows that we're people who like him are supposed to rest. They have their, their rest built in their schedules, what God does. And it's what we do. So how, how to do that? It has completely changed my work life and my family life to really begin Sabbathing. The way that it initially started playing out for us was as a busy corporate lawyer, I had no guardrails on my schedule. And I just started to say from Saturday evening to Sunday evening, I'm really going to actually not work and just be with friends and family and worship. And at one point, we don't we don't really do this a lot now. We always light a candle to start our family dinner, but we used to do it to start our family Sabbath. And actually, I, I regret we're not doing that right now. But something something to like start the moment. I, I would love to actually get back to that rhythm. is is really wonderful because you know, especially if you have little kids, you know, tactile markers of spiritual rhythms are beautiful things for them. They will remember. Oh, that's the time when Saturday changed from let's get all the chores done to now we're like going out for ice cream and now we're just hanging out as a family or whatever. So my wife and I are usually, you know, either spending time together or with friends, you know, on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, we try to lean into Sabbath by having a different long and slow morning. We go to the latest service possible at church. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to cook the boys pancakes. I try to let Lauren sleep in. We, you know, that was true this Sunday. We just, we kind of putzed around the house enjoying each other and enjoying like a longer breakfast um, and trying not to rush because mm-hmm. rush is part of so many other days of the week because it has to be to get to school on time. So we really like, don't get me wrong, getting four boys out of the house um, is always going to involve some amount of rush. So we're just trying to say the Sabbath is a little different than the other days. It's not perfect. And that's not what you're looking for. Obviously, worship, communal worship is a big part of our Sabbath. I'd say obviously, but I think increasingly some people need to hear that, you know, Tuning into a podcast or or zooming into a service it is not communal worship. It's not embodied worship. It is taking on information and and that and getting our whole family to a service where yes, kids misbehave. Yes, we fight in the car. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we engage with the people we don't like. That is all part of the point of saying God orders our life. We don't. We're placed with other people in our life that we have to learn to get along with. Like, that's what a church is. It's meant to sanctify you in some way. The body of Christ should be embodied. And that's a crucial part of our Sabbath. And then we we end with um, a Sunday family lunch at my parents' house. And luckily they live in town. You can do this with friends. I think um, for us, eating a communal meal is an enormous part of Sabbathing with children because everybody, especially foster parents, know you're not 
no one's ever really giving you a break, right? You're not, you can't just be off on Sunday. Like you're not working, but when you get together with other families, when you as foster families, you know, trade babysitting, maybe because, you know, obviously it's harder to find babysitters for foster children. You're at least interacting with a family in a different way. And in our Sunday family lunch, there's like 15 cousins, you know, playing together and there are foster kids there that become cousins, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're, they're interacting together. We get to rest in a different way because the kids are playing and because aunts and uncles are doing part of the parenting and we're sharing the work of cleaning. And it's just, yes, it is work, but it is rest as well. And I might end with that idea. I think a lot of what you're looking for in Sabbath is doing the work of rest because it's not necessarily doing nothing. It's saying, what do I need to do that's different than the rest of my week in order to engage in worship and engage in rest? Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to do it differently. Yours shouldn't necessarily look like mine. But if those give you some clues on how to lean into rest, I, I hope that they take you into worship and rest. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like as a therapist too, I'm like, you know, the more we learn about the body and the brain and how they're connected in our parasympathetic nervous system and mm-hmm. how we need to be in rest and digest more and fight, flight, or freeze less. I'm like, hello, this is all design. This is all God's design for yes. how he made us. This yes. is all like, now we're figuring out the science behind why we need to rest. Like, as yeah. you said, we're finite, like human beings with finite time and finite energy. Like we don't, and that's for a reason and for a purpose. So yes, I love the yes. idea of just leaning back into why did God, yes. you know, get this was, it's not a, it's not a burdensome command. It's a gift as you said. It's a gift. Yeah. And, and I just tack on to that. I think that in my short story that I shared, I think part of the reason I ran myself ragged as a lawyer is not only because most lawyers do that, though they do, it's also because I really did feel called to it. And I, people who feel deeply called to service, and these are foster parents, right? People who feel deeply called to a mission tend to be the kinds of people who will in the end sacrifice themselves and their bodies for that mission. And there's something that is good about that. There's something that is good about saying, I'm part of a greater work and I'm willing to serve it and be a martyr for it. That That's wonderful. That does not and should not mean that you ignore who God created you to be and ignore the body and the soul that he gave you in order to do that, as in needlessly sacrificing your health such that you're actually become disqualified to carry out the call in the the first place. And that was what happened to me. And I just encourage foster parents or anybody who feels like a deep call to service to remember that they they must have rest in order to be good servants of that call. You are not opted out of sleeping. You're not opted out of needing help. You're not opted out of needing a break. You're not opted out of needing sabbatical. You're not opted out of needing a Sabbath. You you actually need those things more. So rest for the work because you got good, you got important work to do mm-hmm. as, as I believe I do too. And I, I look at my Sabbath now and I think, I'm not resting from the work. I'm resting for the work because mm-hmm. yeah, I want to be sent out into that work by Sabbath, not collapsing on the Sabbath from the work. Yeah. And, and I think that's a different way of viewing it. Yeah, that's so, so good. Yeah, I like the, the way that you shared that. And I think it's really important for us to just hear that. I hear, and even too, in, in just Christian circles, not necessarily foster parent circles, where people are like, you know, some people say like self-care isn't selfish. And then some people like, but you know, don't love yourself first, love God first, love others, love like whatever. It's like all of these things can be true in their own right. But they're really not opposed. Saying, like, 
we do have to care for the vessel that God gave us. That is a command from him. Yes, and it's yes. for the work that he has chosen, the good works that he has chosen in advance for us to do. Yes. And we can't do them because of our human nature if we don't care for our, our bodies and our, our temple. So yeah, thanks yeah. for that reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Foster Mama, I want to invite you to the Fearless Fostering Retreat that is happening in Atlanta, Georgia this fall, September 30th through October 2nd. Past retreat attendee Maddie Wellam said the retreat was the perfect amount of group time, solo time, and time in the city. I left with practical skills for how to continue improving my mental health. It was amazing. And that's the cool thing about this retreat. The results are going to last you well beyond one weekend. This is not like your average foster care retreat, because unlike most retreats for foster mamas, the Fearless Fostering Retreat provides stillness, alone time, and true rest in a luxury hotel setting. And everything is led by a foster care informed therapist. So the skills I'm going to teach you are ones that will continue to improve your mental health throughout your foster care journey and life. There's also going to be an opportunity to stay connected for those who would like ongoing support in a small group setting through the Fearless Fostering group coaching program after the retreat ends. So if you're interested, reach out on Instagram at fearless underscore fostering and DM me the word retreat, or you can learn more on my website, fearlessfostering.com. Okay, well, I want to ask you one more kind of tricky question before we wrap up, um, okay. because I think some people hear the word like, you know, habits or liturgy, and they're just maybe they have like a not great connotation with that um, yeah. in terms of like how they grew up in a, maybe a church that practiced things that were kind of they did them over and over again. They didn't really mean anything to them. How do you differentiate in your home with a liturgy or a habit or a rhythm even to have it become something that's not this like task that we must do this you know you kind of alluded to it earlier but how do you yeah it's a very good question and i'll say if you're like me and you've completely fallen apart because of all your bad habits i think you reapproach this topic with a sort of good desperation so like i i because i used to think that and i used to think like you know you know i don't want to be like a a slave to these certain habits until i realized that because i never chose my habits on purpose. I was a slave to all these bad ones and they drove me into the ground, you know, like in pursuing my freedom of not committing to any healthy habits, I was an absolute slave to all these horrible habits. And I think some of the humility that I have by necessity now, just being somebody who was broken down is realizing that everyone is living according to a regimented program of habits. The question is just, what are they? And are they helping you become more like Christ or are they preventing you from that? So the humility part would just be like whether life has shoved it in your face like it has me or or not. I think just having some humility to open your eyes that you don't have the option to not live by habit. I mean, there's great studies yeah. about this, but there's also just a spiritual truth of, you know, Paul, let's, let's think of like Romans 12, 1, you know, he he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. You know, it's interesting that the options, there isn't one that's not being formed. There isn't somebody who's not being changed. You're either being conformed or transformed. And lots of that idea of formation is what's happening by default, like what rhythms of life you're living into. Um, so with that said, I would just say, once you know that you're always living in the sum program of habits, your question is, whose habits actually love me back. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like who whose rhythms of life, whose spiritual rhythms, because even the American rhythms of life are spiritual. Where is the good master? Who is the one that actually loves me back? And that's where I look at the rhythms that God calls us to. You know, the law in the Bible is not set out to say, you know, you're condemned because you don't live up to it. That's what Jesus is for you know he's done that now after christ the law is given to us as a path to the good life and if you really want to get into the deep theology of this look at calvin's first second and third use of the law or other reformers and other theologians that talk about this many do the point of the law is to show us the path to the good life and so you know i'm getting deep here but i think it's important because it all goes to show you and here's the way to sum it up your habits will not change god's love for you period but God's love for you can, should, must change your habits. So when we do all this stuff, we're not saying like, oh my gosh, I need to be a good person. We're not saying no, because God loves me so much. I want to walk in his way of love. I want to live under the easy yoke. I want to walk this path of the good life. And you know, if you have children, you know this, mm-hmm. like you are not telling them, eat your food for breakfast because you're like, I'm a taskmaster who viciously thinks everybody needs to eat breakfast. It's because you know they're going to be desperate and complaining and sad in a minute because they're hungry because they didn't stay in that healthy rhythm. That's why you put them down for nap. That's why you bring them to sleep because you're a good parent who knows what is best for them. And of course, they're children. They don't realize that. And we're children of God, but we're maturing and we should realize, oh my gosh, like the things that he's calling me to do, we call them the spiritual disciplines. Or not because he's a taskmaster who wants to burden our life with extra habits. It's because he's saying, child, spend some time in my word before you look at that phone and let me show you how that will change what you call anxiety. Mm-hmm. Or, or child, like spend some time with a friend confessing every week and let me show you how it would change that thing that you call depressing, depression. Mm-hmm. Like the, he is leading us to the good life. So we can be free of the legalism because yes, God... We are saved not by our habits. We're saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who then calls us to live in light of that death and resurrection. And that means habits too. Mm-hmm. Love that. Oh, it's for freedom that he said it's free. So that's exactly yeah, that's just such a good, a good way to put it. <laughs> good reminder. And I appreciate it. And I just think it's such a good conviction for me. And just reminder that, you know, as we parent, we're, we're going to do it one way or the other, but why not be intentional? Why not align it with like, if we're, you know, a person of faith, you know, with our faith. So thank you, Justin, for this conversation. I appreciate it so much. I want to let everyone know where they can find your books and how they can connect with you online. Absolutely. Um, You can find the books on Amazon. That's the easiest place uh, to go get them. Habits of the Household and the Common Rule. And you can also find me anywhere online. If you Google my name, Justin Early, spelled E-A-R-L-E-Y, but even the typo will come up. Habits, you know, you'll find my habitsofthehousehold.com website. You'll find thecommonrule.org. I'm most active about um, talking and responding and thinking about this stuff on Instagram, but you'll, there are message boxes on my website. So I'm trying to get, there are a lot of options. You can, you can find me and uh, eventually I will reply. I have limits around my social media, but I do get through all of them. And so you, people are welcome to to reach out and, and message and, and ask questions. I'd love to help answer them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate it. Well, let me say thank you to you and your audience for doing what you do and caring what you care about. I believe in and love the work of foster parents. I grew up with foster kids in my home. I grow up with them now as nieces and nephews in my extended family. And it is a beautiful, beautiful reflection of the parenting 
that God does to us that you all do to foster children. So please keep up that beautiful work. It is a bright light of the witness of Christianity and Jesus Christ in the world. So thank you for all that you do.